0: Welcome back everyone to the raise the apple podcast episode 94 closing in on that episode 100 mark if you haven't seen it already last week's or two weeks ago now episode we talked with talking Mets with rob from youtube make sure you go check that out make sure you go subscribe to him he's got great mets content every day he's live on youtube make sure you go check him out the day has finally come tomorrow we will have baseball And after the lockout and after everything that went on in the offseason, it seemed like we weren't going to get it. Major League Baseball opening day is tomorrow. And the New York Mets quest for a 2022 World Series title begins with Tyler McGill on the mound for Game 1 against Anibal Sanchez of the Nationals. Now, while I'm pumped about McGill starting after everything that has happened this offseason, you have Steve Cohen, his first real offseason, new GM with Billy Epler comes in, you get a new manager in Buck Showalter, you bring in all these guys, you bring in basically half of the Oakland A's roster, you bring in all these other guys. Everything looked like it was Mets, Mets, Mets the entire way. And now we are going to be four weeks without... The best pitcher on planet Earth, Jacob DeGrom. This sucks. But it is okay. I was one that was freaking out because then shortly after you had Scherzer with his hamstring. You weren't sure what was going on with that. Turns out he's okay, so he's set to start on Friday in his return to Nats Park. But oh my, how quickly things turned for the Mets fans. Mets Twitter was like, oh God, here we go again, including myself, was like, oh my God, here we go again with Jake. Thankfully, he'll. it's only going to be a month, so earliest Jake will be back with rehab and everything, I'd say end of May, early June, absolute earliest that Jake is back, which sucks. It's a huge loss to the rotation in this team, but it means guys like McGill, guys like David Peterson, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, those guys got to step up. You know Max Scherzer and Chris Bass are going to do their thing, but you need the other guys to step up big time. And I have no doubt that they can do this. But they're going to be a huge piece. Like last year at the beginning of the year when we had the replacements with everyone injured, with like Fargus and Khalil Lee and all these other the Ilars, all these other guys filling in. We need that again, but from the pitching side. And I think McGill starting on opening day is a great decision. I th- and then we got Scherzer. For game two, so everyone else will be on normal rest as g- goes for the rest of the year. Or at least until Jake comes back. But phew, it was a little scary there for a minute. It seemed like everything was falling apart very quickly. You have Mets Twitter going crazy. You got um for any of you that watch Barstool, the guys at Barstool, uh KFC bought like a little wooden garden bridge thing that he said he was gonna jump off of because of the way the Mets were going. Yeah, that was a pretty accurate mood for a lot of people. But thankfully, it could have been a million times worse. You got to try and remind yourselves this as Mets fans because we've been tortured for so long. It could have been a million times worse. But thankfully, it it somehow got figured out. We just got to stick around for the month we don't have Jake. I said before on a TikTok that this team goes as far as Jake goes. Yes, that's true. But if the other guys step up, I think will be justified if the McGill's, the Peterson, Peterson who had a little bit of a rocky spring training, Taiwan Walker, Carrasco, all those guys step up. I think the Mets will have no problems going forward to start the year without Jake. Although they, they will have to uh, pick up, they will have to pick it up a little bit to make up for not having him. Considering you know he's kind of the best pitcher in baseball, but it's it all worked out. So we're good on that. But, and then, you so you have Jake's injury. You have Max Scherzer's injury scare. Then came end of last week, middle to end of last week, the Mets were in talks with the San Diego Padres regarding a trade involving Dom Smith. Okay, kind of writing on the walls. You saw, We all knew this was coming. No one wanted it to happen because everyone loves Dom, including myself. I did not want to see Dom go. But it kind of seemed like that that's what was going to happen. And then you find out what this return was going to be. So the Mets would have gotten Chris Paddock, uh, pitcher, first baseman Eric Hosmer, reliever Emilio Pagan. And Eric Cosmer has a huge contract with the Padres. The Padres are going to pay that, con- still pay that contract. So the Mets would get Emilio Pagan, Eric Hosmer, and not have to deal with his massive contract... And Chris Paddock for Dom Smith. That is a haul for Dom Smith. That is a gr- that is a lot for Dom. However, the deal fell apart, and then there is rumors that Dom would rather be a starter somewhere else and platoon with the Mets. And then Dom's like, "No, that's not true. I love being with the Mets. I want to be here." Which how, typical sports media. That's how they like to work. They like to fabricate, twist things and make players look terrible, make teams look terrible. Sometimes they are accurate, but a lot of it, sometimes they are also not. So Dom's sitting there saying he wants to be here and it's just the trade. Yes, you get a haul for Dom Smith, but when you look at what you're getting, you're getting Emilio Pagan. Okay. You get a great arm in the bullpen. You're getting Eric Hosmer. So you're replacing one first base with another. an aging third baseman, first baseman, excuse me, over a guy who's entering his prime. But then there was rumors that the Mets were going to flip Hosmer and it would be a three-team deal, which made me scratch my head a little bit as to wonder what could the Mets possibly be going after. And then you get Chris Paddock, who, yes, I know he's coming off an injury, but Chris Paddock, with the exception of his rookie year when he was basically shit-talking Pete Alonso the first half of it until Pete showed him up. The Chris Paddock is a very middle, of the, middle back end of the rotation guy. He's not an ace. At least if you put him on the Mets or on the Padres, he's not an ace. He's a back end of the rotation guy. And with the DeGrom injury, it seemed like this trade was rushed because they wanted to fill a rotation spot, and it seemed like they were going to rush to get through it. I would rather trade Dom. If I'm trading Dom, I don't want to trade Dom. But if this is probably why I would be a horrible general manager is because I get too emotionally attached to players. Like when the Mets traded Ahmed Rosario away, yes, I was pumped we got Francisco Lindor, but I loved Ahmed Rosario and did not want him to go. But with Dom, if I'm trading Dom and I want pitching in return, that's my main target is pitching. I think the Mets could have done a lot better. With what Dom can bring to teams, I think the Mets could have done a lot better than Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan. I would If I were to trade Dom, I'm trading him to the Reds in a deal to try and get Luis Castillo, or I'm trading him to the A's trying to make another deal with him and try and get Frankie Montas. There, There's a lot of other arms that I think I would rather go after with Dom as the centerpiece going to those teams before I would go get Chris Paddock. And thankfully, for however it, it fell through, it fell through, thankfully. So... That was quite an interesting turn of events. I was not on board with the trade at all. I thought it was ridiculous. But what the Mets would be giving up for Dom, I think the Mets can do so much better. Yes, they did. They would have gotten a big return for Dom. I think they could have gotten a much better valued return than what they got. And then the last little thing that I wanted to talk about today before we wrap this up, it's a short episode today because we got opening day coming up. A lot to be excited about. is There was an update this past week regarding Trevor Bauer's situation. So for those of you who have not seen it yet, Trevor Bauer was accused last offseason of sexually assaulting a woman. He was then placed on administrative leave, kept repeating, 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 getting put back and forth on administrative leave. Well, basically, that means in a nutshell, if there's a difference between administrative leave and suspension, if you get put on administrative leave, you still get paid. If you get put, if you are suspended, you do not get paid. That's the that's the difference between the two. So he's getting paid on administrative leave. He missed the pretty much the entire second half of last year, and then he you come into the off season. The courts ruled in Bauer's favor. There's no evidence. They're not bringing criminal charges. However. It's the same if you're an NFL fan, it's the same thing with the Deshaun Watson situation. If they are found not guilty essentially criminally, they are still subject to be disciplined by the league. So Deshaun Watson has been cleared by two grand juries. He could still get suspended by the NFL if they feel he violated his code of con- their co- their code of conduct policy. The same thing with Trevor Bauer. Rob Manfred could look at it and say Okay, you weren't charged criminally, but we still feel you violated our code of conduct policy, and we're going to suspend you for X amount of games. Bauer's administrative leave is up April 16th, which is 10 days from now, so about a week and a half away. And the league will have to make a decision by then. If they don't make a decision, they don't do anything. Bauer's back in the Dodgers with the Dodgers for not, for however long. And with the Bauer situation, so the update with it is now Bauer is coming back, and he is suing. I believe her name is Molly Knight and the Athletic for falsely, for defamation lawsuit basically. So for those of you who may not know what that means, a defamation lawsuit means if if I'm filing a lawsuit against my brother, let's say I'm fi- a defamation lawsuit against my brother. I'm saying that you knew. That this information was false, that was harmful to me and my reputation. You knew it was false, but you still went and published it to the world anyway. So I would sue my brother for a defamation lawsuit. In this case, Bauer is suing The Athletic and Molly Knight for knowingly having false information about the sexual assault allegations, but still publishing it on Twitter and articles on their website. Now, after reading, I think it was about a 25-ish page Explaining Bauer's lawsuit, and then there was the his own Twitter thread about it. The big thing with this defamation lawsuit is the Athletic had access to the woman's that was allegedly assaulted by Trevor Bauer. They had access to her medical records and CAT scan results. There was no evidence of a fractured skull, but they went. They saw that, but they still went and published stories saying that Bauer fractured her skull. And Molly Knight had a multiple-tweet thread about it. There were multiple articles published on the Athletics website about it. It's a whole mess. I hope Bauer wins this because the media loves doing this. The media sucks, basically. Sports, me- Sports media is not as bad as like if you're a political person and you watch political stuff. It's not as bad as that. But the way the media is when they t- they. Just do whatever to get clicks, and it drives me absolutely crazy. There's no honest journalism, there's no honest media anymore, which drives me nuts. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. And I hope Trevor Bauer does win this lawsuit because no—that ruins the integrity of journalism. It ruins the field of journalism when people are out there making up stories or tweaking it to fit their narrative, and it's—it makes the ones like me and who's aspiring to be a journalist. It makes us who are doing it the right way It makes it ruins our credibility for all the work that we do. So don't be like that. Don't be like that. Be be the honest person. Admit when you're wrong. Don't don't be like that. Don't don't ruin someone else's career to fit to make yours advance like that. That's ridiculous. I hope Bauer wins that lawsuit, but you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. So to wrap up today's episode, though, we will have on this day in baseball history, kind of ironic, kind of fitting, 1972, for the first time in history, the Major League season fails to open due to a general player strike. The strike, announced on April 1st, will erase 86 games from the Major League schedule. We almost had that this year. I was very, very fearful that there was going to be a strike this year. Thankfully, there was not. But who, man, it got it. There were a lot of times where it with Max Scherzer leading that investigative charge, uh, investigative negotiating charge. It, it didn't look good, but thankfully we do have baseball and opening days tomorrow. Tyler McGill against Anibal Sanchez. I'm super pumped. We will be. Tweeting throughout the game. I'm gonna be a little late to the game, obviously, because I'm still a college student. So I'll be getting out of class as the game is starting. So we, but we will be live tweeting almost every game the entire year with highlights and clips and everything. So much coming on the podcast. Make sure you follow on TikTok. Make sure you subscribe here as I on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. As I mentioned in the beginning, last episode was our first interview with Talking Mets with Rob. Make sure you go check that out. Go check out his channel. He's got some great, great Mets content on there. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. The road to the 2022 World Series starts now. Let's go Mets. Bang bang bang, 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 won't stop till we're legends.